Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Decisions. We face them every day from what to do, what to say, or even what to believe. Our actions are often little more than a series of decisions strung together. So it would benefit us to know how to make the decisions that would actually help instead of hinder us. Is there a secret to making healthy decisions? Let's put that question to Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, healthy versus unhealthy decision-making, what do we need to know? Well, first off, the first principle of healthy decision-making is healthy decision-making requires a healthy mind, Mm. a healthy mind. And healthy minds are not inherited, they're developed. And so you might say, well, what's the difference between a healthy mind and an unhealthy mind? What is that difference? Well, healthy minds operate primarily motivated by love or altruism, concern for the well-being of others, where an unhealthy mind is driven primarily by fear and self-centeredness. And uh, there's a neurobiological difference. When we operate from love and other-centeredness, we calm our brain's fear circuitry, and that actually reduces stress on our body. And studies show that people who are more love or altruistic-oriented have better physical health, live longer, and have less dementia and depression and things later in life than those who are more fear-oriented or self-centered in their Mm decision-making. So the first principle starts with a heart attitude of love for God and love for others as the motive to our decision-making. Further, fear impairs reasoning and thinking, and the more fearful we are, the less capable we are of actually discerning different perspectives and weighing evidences. We tend to be survival-driven and just making immediate choices to make ourselves feel safer rather than actual contemplation. So love is a place where we're calmer and have a, a greater openness to data. So healthy mind starts with a position of love. Let me take a little detour here slightly. When a parent reacts in love to a child, that child may not recognize that as love. That child may say, oh dear, that parent is mad at me or, or, or disappointed at me or frustrated at me. How can we maintain our loving attitude when our loving attitude is being interpreted by others as an unloving attitude? So I think it's a great example that you just brought up because you brought up a parent, a child, and the parent has hopefully a mature mind. The child, by definition, has a child's mind. Okay. But sometimes we deal with adults who, while chronologically adults, have never developed their mind and they still think like a child and they still function and react like a child. They're immature. We call that immaturity. And so how do we maintain the balance? By remembering our responsibilities. And we have been given by God our own unique individuality, our own ability to think and to reason, and our own power of decision-making. And the Bible says that every person should be fully persuaded in their own mind. So we have the responsibility to think for ourselves and make decisions in governance of ourselves, not make decisions based on what other people perceive of our actions, but based on our understanding. So a healthy mind is motivated by love. And the next principle of a healthy mind, it's directed by reason, reasoning through cause and effect, facts and evidences, and so forth. 
An unhealthy mind is directed primarily by emotions. That's what children do, what feels good right now, not what actually is good. And that's one of the telltale marks between a healthy and an unhealthy mind is that the healthy mind will make decisions that are objectively good even when they don't feel good, whereas the unhealthy mind will make decisions that feel good right now even though they're not good objectively good. They're not healthy, for instance. I can see that happening all around us all the time, Dr. Jennings. A healthy mind also values or prioritizes facts over feelings. They are aware of their feelings, but the feelings don't persuade in the decision or the action the facts and the evidences and the truths do. Whereas the unhealthy mind prioritizes feelings over facts. They might actually be aware of some of the facts, but when it comes to the actual choice they make, they choose what feels best right now in spite of the facts. Mm -hmm. A healthy mind also recognizes its limits, meaning that it's humble. It recognizes the healthy mind, recognizes I'm a finite being, God is infinite, the universe is a significant amount of information that I currently don't understand, and I'm open to be corrected and to grow in my current understanding with better information and better explanations as a humble sense of self. Mm -hmm. Whereas an unhealthy mind has an inflated sense of self and will believe that other perspectives or data that they don't currently know are a threat to diminish their intelligence. And so they are resistant to taking in other viewpoints or other data. The healthy mind values objective truth. They want to know what's actually real and they want to advance and grow in truth. They don't lay down their creeds or their stakes of of current understanding and refuse to have those perspectives updated because they, again, recognize God is infinite and we're finite and there's always more truth to discover. Whereas the unhealthy mind doesn't value truth, it values power, doesn't really care about truth as long as they can manipulate perspectives to retain their power because they're driven by fear and selfishness and power makes them feel safe and gives them control over others. Unhealthy mind respects others and recognizes that other people have their own mind. They see things from a different landscape. They stand in a different place. They have different priorities. And uh, looking at the same set of data or facts, another individual may conclude for that person's life to do exactly the opposite that you conclude to do for your life. And a healthy mind respects that and gives them the liberty to do it. Mm -hmm. An unhealthy mind would view somebody choosing to do different or concluding different than you as a threat that somehow says that you're not smart. And so that other person then has to be devalued or suppressed or repressed so that you aren't made to look bad by somebody disagreeing with you. Mm -hmm. A healthy mind ultimately thinks for themselves. As General Patton famously said, if everybody's thinking the same thing, somebody's not thinking. Okay. <laughs> okay, yes. But thinking for themselves doesn't mean that we close ourselves to other people's perspective. The healthy individual wants to hear lots of perspectives and vantage points and, and input. But at the end of the day, they synthesize through that data and come to their own conclusion for what's best for their life. Mm -hmm. Whereas the unhealthy mind either won't allow the other perspectives to come in or they actually surrender the choice to somebody else to tell them what the answer is. So that's the difference between a healthy mind and an unhealthy mind. When we talk about decision-making, however, decision-making is the process of how one makes decisions. It is not the actual choice itself, but it's the method one employs to make the choice. If you have a healthy method from a healthy mind, 
you have less frequent unhealthy choices. If you have an unhealthy mind with an unhealthy method, you make more frequent unhealthy choices. So it's not ultimately the choice itself, it's the method one employs in making the choice. Does that make sense? It does. Dr. Jennings, you see a lot of people uh, that come to you, and, and many of them have made decisions in their lives that are not for their benefit. Of all this in the list here, the reason, the values, the limits, objections, and allows choices and thinks for themselves, what is the number one problem that you see that most of us out here in the wild have as we try to go through our lives and try to make the decisions? What sticks out? Probably the number one is that they value feelings over over reason. Mm. They don't think for themselves, and they go with what feels good, and they're easily manipulated by, by events or by circumstances. They haven't learned, as it says in Hebrews 5.14, the mature of those who develop by practice, the ability to discern the right from the wrong. They don't know how to problem solve, break down the evidences, and come to a conclusion that is reliable. And so they look either for some authority to tell them the answer, or they go with what feels best. And so it's really a matter of maturing and developing those skill sets that many people don't. And their way of going through life is to look for an authority or look to a group. And that group could be a church group. Well, my church believes this. Okay, It could be a political group. But there's some consensus of a peer or some authority figure or feelings. And that and that is a problem. Rather than actually understanding the objective facts for themselves, the reality, the laws upon which God built reality operate, we call them the laws of health or the laws of physics or, or the construction protocols for life, and then why this decision is actually better than another decision. So if you think about it in a math example, you're trying to learn how to do math. As a metaphor, you're trying to learn how to think and problem solve, mm-hmm. not just math problems, but life problems. You don't know how to do math yet, so you need somebody to give you some instruction. Children don't know how to problem solve. They need somebody to give them instruction. And so you go to a math class, and as you're taking a math class, they give you some of the rules, which are the laws of math, which are constants. They don't change. Uh, We are to be instructed in the laws of God and how he's created his universe and how it operates. And then they're given problems to solve, and the teacher will demonstrate some problems. And then they're given problems for them to work out. Now— If a student is very conscientious and wants to be a good student and doesn't want to make mistakes and feels bad when they get things wrong, the student might beg the teacher for the answer key. Uh, Tell me the answers. Tell me the answers because I want to get all my answers right. Mm -hmm. And if the teacher is is a very bad teacher, they give them the answers. And then when the problems come, the student writes down the answers they were told by the teacher and the answers are correct for each problem. But does the student know how to do math? No. No. And that's how many people have approached life. And that's how many churches work. They go to church, they give them some basic instructions on the principles of God, and then they tell them all the answers. Here's the answers. Here's what we believe. Here's our creed. Here's our fundamental beliefs. And here's here's what we believe. Here's a proof text to prove why we believe this. But many of the members never have a clue as to why that is the right answer, how it came to be the right answer, and how to apply the principles of God in new problems that the church hasn't problem solved for them yet. Oh, my. The very bottom of your list, to me, seems to be a very, very important one. Think for yourselves. No matter what people are saying, no matter what facts are showing, no matter how you feel, is there value in thinking for yourself? And how do we keep that thinking for ourselves as pure as possible? 
one of the laws of God is the law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it uh-huh. because if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. If you want strong math ability, you have to work problems. Strong musical skill, play your instrument. If you want strong critical reasoning skill, you actually have to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. If your method is looking to others that you respect and admire to tell you the answer and you believe it because they said so. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is defer to what the people believe is a divine source. Well, the Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. So they look for yeah. proof texts rather than to read the scriptures to understand why the Bible says this is the best way. Okay, the Bible says it, but why is it the best way? Well, that doesn't matter. The Bible said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's still deferring to an authority, and you're still not developing critical reasoning skills. And so if you don't exercise those abilities, they won't develop. And then when new problems arise, you will be left vulnerable and incapable of actually problem-solving your way out of a difficulty. One of the statements of the purpose of our ministry is to help people develop their God-given capacity for discernment. We want to help people learn to think for themselves. And we tell people, come reason, we're never here to tell you what to think. We're to stimulate you and motivate you to think for yourself and learn how to identify the evidences and come to your own conclusions. And finally, thinking for yourself is hard work sometimes. Is it really worth it to think for yourself and do the hard work and, and, and to actually reason? Have you found that to work best for people? It depends on what their goal is. Uh, some people don't want the responsibility. They're so fearful of making a mistake. Their mode is to, I would rather let somebody else tell me the answer. Then if it goes wrong, I can't be to blame. They're to blame because I did what the person in authority said, so I can't be be in trouble. And so a lot of people in religion, they believe the religious authorities, the pastors, the churches. And then if it's not right, they'll be able to say, well, God, I just followed what the pope said or the pastor said or the conference president said or the church said. So I was a, a willing and, and eager person to obey and I obeyed what people told me. Oh, wow. It's not my fault. Listener, we have a website, comeandreason.com. I want you to go there. I want you to look around at the resources that Dr. Jennings and his team has made available to all of us as we continue our journey of discovery and learn how to reason. Just do the hard work. Learn how to reason because the rewards are great, as Dr. Jennings has said it here on this program so many times. The result of that is a clear-thinking, healthy decision-making mind, and that's what we want. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Common Reason Ministry. CommonReason.com is the website. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit ComeAndReason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at ComeAndReason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together.